What's next after the North Korea summit? And are Indiana lawmakers optimistic or skeptical? Today we talk with Senator Todd Young, Senator Joe Donnelly, and Congressman Jim Banks. Plus, the Attorney General comes to Indiana with controversy mounting on the issue of immigration. And the gun control debate again taking center stage in Indiana, with the NRA calling out the city-county council ahead of their big convention in Indy next year. It's all ahead this Sunday in Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. President Trump talking with reporters Friday about a flurry of headlines in the news. His former campaign manager, Paul Manafort, sent to jail. The president also dealing with a new Trump Foundation lawsuit while seizing on a new report on James Comey and touting his trip overseas to meet with North Korea. Good morning. I'm Dan Spieler. So many headlines and controversies with the president still calling the North Korea summit a historic moment for world peace. And this week we're hearing from Indiana lawmakers, some celebrating the summit, some skeptical of what really got accomplished. Our Matt Smith spoke with elected officials and military veterans from Indiana to get their reaction. Three of our officers are still World War II. Inside VFW Post 98, conversations on tap of war. Yeah, it's bad. And potential peace. I just hope you can trust them. Of the handshake the world watched overnight. I was really, really surprised. And an outcome that remains to be seen. Whether he gets the job done, we don't he, know. He is trying. Gene Esselborn, born and raised in Indianapolis, is a Korean War vet. Every day I wake up, I see that where they kill all those innocent old men, women, and children. If you follow this for decades, as I have, uh, it's uh, quite um, a spectacular event. IU professor Mark Minton negotiated with the North Koreans during the Clinton administration as a former U.S. ambassador and deputy chief of mission at the U.S. Embassy in Seoul. It's clear from the summit that to get uh, the objective we want um, is going to be the work of uh, many months, if not years, of subsequent negotiations. And part of that will likely involve Congress. Some lawmakers making it known they want to say in any final deal that involves North Korea oversight and verification. The full story will be written later because what, what comes next is much more significant than the pageantry of the of the summit. Do they start dismantling? Will they let inspectors in? Time, as they say, will only tell whether this will truly be a historic moment impacting the U.S. and North Korea. There are a lot of reasons to be skeptical. They go back to 2000. Uh, five, when a very similar agreement was signed with North Korea, go back to the 90s. I've always believed that the North Koreans are developing nuclear weapons and missile systems not to attack anyone, but as diplomatic leverage. So there is a possibility that Kim Jong-un is, uh, you know, cashing in his chips. This is a president who's much more serious. Uh, he keeps his word. And there, there's no doubt in my mind that Kim Jong-un knows that he's dealing with a more serious okay. leader than who he was dealing with b before. All right, Matt Smith reporting there. Matt, thanks. You heard from Congressman Jim Banks there this week. We also spoke with both of Indiana's senators, Todd Young and Joe Donnelly, to get their reaction. You know, this is a win for the president in the sense that uh, it was his maximum pressure campaign, the uh, concerted pressure of uh, the administration over a period of time that brought Kim Jong-un to the table. 
and uh, led to this uh, framework. Uh, it, of course, is just the first step in what is going to be uh, a much longer road towards uh, the complete, the final, the verifiable uh, denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. And, and so much work, of course, remains to be done. Well, I am hopeful that the uh, denuclearization process will begin. I was, I was very hopeful that there would be actual concrete steps taken um, at the summit. And, um, you know, we are now looking to see actual concrete steps on behalf of North Korea being taken as we move forward. Uh, are you disappointed that more concrete steps didn't come out of what we saw in Singapore? I think there was an anticipation that there would be some actual commitments and promises and, and actual steps taken by North Korea, and we didn't see that. Their track record is not very good. They've made promises before in this area, um, have not taken those steps. If you look, they are in a position right now where they have the capability to um, deliver a nuclear weapon uh, to the continental United States, to our home state. So it's very, very concerning. And the whole idea of the summit was to have them start um, ratcheting that back and denuclearizing. It's Congress's job, uh, especially those of us who happen to be on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, to make sure that uh, we have a, a rigorous agreement with uh, verification mechanisms embedded in that agreement. I intend to play my part with respect to the oversight role, and then should uh, an agreement uh, be consummated uh, that we feel comfortable with, uh, it's my belief that uh, Congress is going to have to weigh in uh, about uh, the final agreement, ink to paper. You saw the president uh, say on Twitter that, that the threat from North Korea, uh, the nuclear threat, is essentially gone after the summit. Yeah, I, I, you know, with all due respect to the president, I don't know how you can possibly come to that conclusion. The um, nuclear weapons are there. They're deadlier than they have ever been at any time right now. They have the capability to hit our home state um, with a nuclear weapon. And so the threat is as real, is as genuine, and is as dangerous as it has ever been. Make no mistake, make no mistake. Uh, really, the, the objective has not changed here. Uh, the administration is prepared to resume its pressure campaign, working with our international allies and partners at any time, if necessary, if we uh, sense that uh, Kim Jong-un is backing off uh, his commitment to denuclearize the peninsula. And, and uh, so I don't, I don't think anyone should perceive coming out of uh, this summit that uh, we have uh, in any way diminished our resolve. When you look at the optics of what we saw in Singapore and compare that to a few days earlier when the president met with the leaders of the, of the G7 and the Canadian prime minister, what, what do you make of the relationships that, that we have seen transpire and the tweets when you look at our allies and when you look at uh, the treatment of the North Korean leader? It's hard to understand because um, I had the privilege of going to Normandy in, um, in 2014 for the uh, 70th anniversary. And the next beach over was, you know, the other beaches were the Canadians, were the English. We fought World War II together, shoulder to shoulder, side to side. When 9-11 happened, Canada stepped up and landed planes all across their country to help us out. We have the longest unsecured border in the world. 
we have no closer friend. Um, they have been extraordinary partners in every way, shape, and form. And so it is hard to figure um, treating our best friend, in effect, poorly, while North Korea, you have a leader who has um, killed his uncle, uh, had his half-brother killed as well, um, runs gulags or prison camps all over his country, and has starved uh, an incredible amount of his people, that um, he has become, uh, you know, this, this uh, generous, wonderful individual, which he is not. Well, they're both entirely different. Uh, at the G7 summit, they were primarily discussing uh, economic issues uh, of the world's industrialized countries. Uh, these are conversations that need to happen. Uh, and, uh, of course, uh, Kim Jong-un, the primary issue there uh, is uh, nuclear weapons. Uh, you know, were they to ultimately denuclearize uh, the Korean Peninsula and uh, choose a, a course of peace as, as opposed to one of confrontation, then the North Koreans uh, might receive the sustenance, the economic development, uh, the prosperity that uh, they see in the West and among G7 nations. I think it's important to look at these things realistically. Um, we can have hope, but what we really need to do is have actual, actual movement. Right, meantime, Donnelly's opponent in this year's Senate race also putting out a statement on North Korea this week. Mike Braun saying, quote, after decades of failed negotiations by previous administrations, President Trump made history at the summit with Kim Jong-un. He says the president has accomplished what Barack Obama never could, in his words. And as a result, Braun says we're beginning a path towards a safer Pacific region and a safer United States. Coming up, Attorney General Jeff Sessions comes to Indiana, causing controversy on the issue of immigration. We'll have that coming up later. But up next, the gun control debate again taking center stage in Indiana, with the NRA calling out the city county council ahead of their big convention in Indianapolis next year. Today we're taking a deeper dive on the issue of school safety and gun control. Many local districts re-examining their safety policies in the wake of the Noblesville school shooting as the NRA and gun control advocates continue to fight over gun-related policy proposals. We've got team coverage today and we start with that school safety issue as the Noblesville district and elected officials try to find new ways to make our students safer. Here's CBS4's Matt Smith. I mean, if you look across the back of the room, you can see that there's a lot of people here who care about our community. To underscore the urgency, look to this week alone. Parents filling rooms in Noblesville, in Greenfield. Two weeks ago after another tragic school shooting so close to home. And in Westfield, all showing up concerned about school safety. We just want to be a part of everything and be able to hear what's going on with the safety. And that may include your buy-in. Noblesville school officials saying the district may need to ask taxpayers to back a new referendum, provide more money for school safety, a proposal that isn't isolated to Noblesville. Exactly. You know, nothing's free. And an idea moms like Lindsay Lewis say we must now consider. You have to have a secure door. You have to have a secure entrance. Um, it's not like in the days when I went to elementary school. You see parents that are stepping up and saying, I, I want this, so what can we do to make it happen? Parents and school officials are also awaiting a wide-ranging set of school safety recommendations due to Indiana Governor Eric Holcomb by August 1st. 
a collaboration between numerous state agencies like education, state police and homeland security, all tasked with creating a list of real-time changes for schools statewide. Everything does cost money, so you're right. I mean, that's an option that we're looking at. And so again, some of our recommendations are how do we look at existing funding and open it up because districts are saying, hey, there's funding available, but not for the purposes we need it. This isn't just a problem in Greensfield, Indiana. It's not just Noblesville. It's central Indiana. It's Indiana. It's throughout the nation. There's some great minds working on this right now. In Indianapolis, I'm Matt Smith, CBS4 News. Now, the governor had initially asked for those safety recommendations after the school shooting in Parkland, Florida. Again, we'll be hearing more about that later this summer. Meantime, the Indianapolis City County Council also talking about the issue of guns this past week. A proposal to limit high-powered weapons inside city limits failed after it drew strong pushback from the NRA. Our Haley Bull was there. Students, a nurse, residents, veterans driven to this Indianapolis City County Council committee meeting tackling a proposal sparking a conversation. I believe that owning, owning a weapon, owning guns is a right, not a privilege. Driving a car is a privilege. I appreciate the councilwoman's comments that we should do this or that or the other, but we've been doing that. It urges the Indiana General Assembly to ban assault weapons and high-capacity magazines in the wake of gun violence. Amendments proposed included expanding the conversation to Congress, asking for background checks on the transfer of firearms, and pointing out national school walkouts and shootings, including in Noblesville. Trying to get some traction about the issue affecting our community. But we wanted the, the people in the state house to understand we're talking about this. We want them to talk about it. How many more kids are going to die between now and January when the session starts? Prior to the meeting, the NRA, who is hosting its annual conference in Indianapolis next year, alerted its members to this meeting. This is an attempt to ban a commonly used rifle that millions of Americans own, and the city council is just trying to create unnecessary fear. Other counselors expressed concern about the use of council time, urging citizens to contact their state legislators. I, just, I can't get behind something where we don't know what exactly an assault weapon is. It ultimately failed to get enough votes here. What we won't do is continue to sit by and do nothing, and that's what we're not going to do. But it's no doubt started a conversation, one some counselors don't plan to quit. And that was Haley Bull reporting. Supporters say they may still try and get this in front of the full council for a vote at some point. We'll keep you posted on that. You also heard Haley mention the NRA and its convention here in Indianapolis next year. Some Hoosiers think that occasion should be part of a broader discussion on gun policy. We sent our Russ McQuaid to this year's NRA conference in Dallas. Dan, this is what it looks like when the NRA brings $55 million, 75,000 supporters, and all the controversies attendant to America's love, hate, and fear relationships around guns. Attendees told us the NRA's Dallas convention was a success. Quickest way to stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. From the back-to-back -back appearances of Mike Pence and Donald Trump before a packed house to the crowded exhibit floor that was like Christmas morning for anyone who loves guns. On the streets outside the Dallas Convention Center, anti-violence protesters were no match for the armed NRA supporters loaded with Second Amendment expertise. Not if the Constitution holds still, I promise you that. We're all normal people. I mean, we're not... 
highfalutin. We're not crazy gun people running around want to shoot people. We're, we're just normal people. The NRA will bring more than 600 exhibitors to Indianapolis and command more than a million square feet of space at the Indiana Convention Center. They are thrilled to be coming back. They had a great experience in 2014, so we've heard lots of comments about how great the hotels were, all connected to the convention center, the great restaurants, and how clean and safe everything was. They're asking about where the exhibits will be, um, what will be held in Lucas Oil Stadium, what new restaurants have come online since they were there in 2014, and how to get to Indy. Visit Indy was on site in Dallas, encouraging NRA members to book next year's downtown hotel rooms early. Well, right now, we went ahead and made our hotel reservations so we could you know get a nice hotel close to the convention center and other than that you know I don't have any other information on Indianapolis. I think you're going to see a lot of hospitality. Indianapolis is a great town, great great place to be, a lot of entertainment. Vice President Pence's high-profile appearance in Dallas would likely be repeated next year in Indianapolis. It's during breakout sessions like the one behind me where NRA leaders introduce members to strategies to debate and implement when it comes to discussions or legislation back home. I'm not anti-gun, but I think the leadership of the NRA is just a little bit on the very far fringe. And whenever I hear them speak, they just sound really wacky. I think it's a great opportunity. Um, I'd like to see everyone um, maybe even hold a town hall at the convention and, and invite people to, to come and talk and, and to listen and to, to try and get other people to see their views and uh, vice versa. Um, we can't always assume we're right. Um, and they shouldn't do the same. And we ought to be thinking about uh, venues and forums uh, that people here in our city who have a wide variety of different viewpoints about um, gun control issues. Um, and I certainly would encourage those conversations to take place. As the NRA prepares to return to Indianapolis, this city, in the midst of a record run of annual gun homicide totals, will have a unique opportunity to ask itself what it thinks of America's obsession with firearms and whether guns endanger us all or keep us safe. Let some of these mothers that have lost loved ones through gun violence, let them sit down and have a conversation with some of the CEOs from the NRA and just, just, just let them have that conversation with them about the loss of their loved ones. I think the goal should be first to have a conversation with the NRA and so churches, uh, the groups that are interested in gun control should try to get together and invite the NRA to a conversation. If that doesn't work, we should have our own conversation. Here in Dallas, after the Parkland shootings, the mayor pro tem called for pulling the rug out from under the NRA. Of course, that'll never happen in Indianapolis. There's too much money involved, too many Hoosiers own guns, but it's an indication of what Indy can expect and perhaps how we should welcome the NRA when it comes to our town in 2019. In Dallas, I'm Russ McQuaid, for in focus. Russ, thank you. Next year's NRA conference, by the way, will be held April 26th through the 28th here in Indianapolis, and it will be back in our city again in 2023. Up next, the Attorney General comes to the state of Indiana with controversy building on the issue of immigration. We'll talk about that after the break.
The immigration debate will be in the news this coming week again as Congress debates an overhaul of our country's immigration system. One Republican proposal includes $25 billion for border security, including funds for President Trump's long-promised border wall and a pathway to citizenship for DACA recipients. Also a lot of controversy about the recent policy of separating many children from their parents at the border. And right here in Indiana this week, U.S. Attorney General Jeff Sessions defended the Trump administration's zero-tolerance policy when it comes to immigration and children being separated from their parents. His remarks causing a lot of controversy this week, with Sessions citing scripture to defend that controversial policy at an event in Fort Wayne. Persons who violate the law of our nation are subject to prosecution. If you violate the law, you subject yourself to prosecution. And I would cite you to the Apostle Paul and his clear and wise command in Romans uh, 13 to obey the laws of the government because God has ordained, ordained the government for his purposes. Many religious leaders, though, speaking out against this controversial policy as more news continues to emerge about the situation there on the border. Meantime, former U.S. Attorney General Eric Holder was the headliner here in Indy this weekend as Indiana Democrats met for their state convention. Holder perhaps on the list of potential candidates for president in 2020. Another possible presidential candidate also in the news this weekend, South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg, one of a handful of potential candidates who's met with former President Obama, according to a report out this week in Politico. The openly gay military veteran also celebrating this weekend. Just yesterday, he married his longtime partner. Well, don't forget, you can always get in focus on the go. We've got a podcast of our program available on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Just search In Focus, Trump, Pence, and the week in politics. And we're back to wrap things up right after this. Coming up this morning on CBS 4, it's CBS Sunday Morning with Jane Pauley. Then at 10.30, Face the Nation. Tonight, you can catch CBS 4 News and, of course, 60 Minutes tonight at 7 o'clock right here on CBS 4. Also, a lot of news coming in the week ahead. The governor holding a press conference on the DCS controversy tomorrow. We'll have that covered for you on the news right here tomorrow night. Meantime, our panel is back next Sunday. That'll do it for this week's program. We'll see you again next Sunday in Focus.